When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar along with pro football focus analyst Eric Eager. Eric, how are you? I'm doing well, man. How about you? Do you have like more titles than that? Are you analyst? Are you like math freak boy, Doctor Eager? Do you still get to go by doctor now that you're not a professor anymore? I mean, I still, I still am a doctor technically, but I don't, I don't use it. I think the the role I think is called senior data scientist or something funny like that. But wow. um, yeah, yeah, not. To, I don't generally. I never made the students call me Doctor Eager anyway, so I, I don't go by it very much. Hmm. Well, all right, senior data scientist then is going to get super data scientist on you on this podcast. So turn it off now. I'm I'm just kidding. Uh, well, look, we, we've got a lot to dive into with the Vikings and the Packers and the start to the season. It's crazy already two weeks in. The NFL, if you go around, Ryan Fitzpatrick is having one of those classic Ryan Fitzpatrick bounce backs, and the Arizona Cardinals are a disaster. The Bills have players retiring at halftime. It's <laughs> just, it, we are in full-fledged football, but I think that the Vikings Packers led the league in crazy for this weekend with a 29-29 tie. Uh, can you just give me your reaction to everything that happened on Sunday before we get into some of these other things? Yeah, well, I think there's there's two, I think, reactions that I had to that game. First, it very much is a game that both teams should have won, right? So Green Bay with a, an eight-point edge going into the, you know, two-minute warning or whatever should have very much won that game. Uh, obviously, there's that penalty on Clay Matthews, although, you know, I have very little sympathy for Clay Matthews, given how, like, you know, his reputation, which I think has been well-earned, as well as the fact that the Packers kind of lobbied for that rule to be the way it is to begin right, with. Right. So I don't really have a ton of sympathy for them. Um, but then, of course, if you're Minnesota and you, for, and you guys have, you know, talked about this ad nauseum, I'm assuming this week, but in a year where you're a Super Bowl contender and you draft a kicker to replace a relatively solid guy you already had, like, I also don't have a ton of sympathy for the Vikings either after their <laughs> kickers missed, uh, you know, twice in overtime and I think once previously in the game. So it's certainly a game that both teams should have won. 
Um, coming out of it, though, I think if you're a Vikings fan, you should be very, very uh, encouraged, right? So you go on the road, and I know Aaron Rodgers is injured, but he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You come out of the the you know home and home with Green Bay with a with a tie on the road, right? You know you'd think that they'd be favored going you know at home later in the season. We have them with the decided edge in terms of winning the division, something like sixty percent uh, after after that game. So Minnesota, I think, comes out of it a little bit better, even though they should have won. Yeah, um, walking away from Lambeau without a loss when you were down twenty to seven to Aaron Rodgers is pretty good. And I think that that was the sentiment from the team is that it didn't feel like a win. It felt like a loss. But still, as we look long term, the Packers are going to have to come to U.S. Bank Stadium where they haven't won the last two years, where Rodgers got hurt, where Rodgers threw the late game interception in the first game at U.S. Bank Stadium, regular season game. Um, so now you feel like you have this advantage going forward. And all of a sudden, you know, something that you and I had talked about throughout the offseason, and just this just shows you how much can change in two weeks, was the schedule for the Vikings. And now, at least through this section, you get two non-losses against teams that you could have lost to that look pretty good, and you start to look forward, and Arizona at, on paper may have looked like, well, you know, that's not a guaranteed win, and now it looks like they could go 1-15, in and Buffalo should be a win that they get the over on this ridiculous uh, Vegas line against the Bills. And all of a sudden, the Patriots don't look quite as strong. And, you know, there are other areas around the league where maybe this schedule isn't going to be as hard as we thought. Especially, you know, the Lions, 0-2 as well, and they get smoked in the first week. Yeah, exactly. So we do a thing where we have our power ranking, and every week we update how difficult the schedule is. And the Vikings were very much a top, you know, 8-6, to six, I think, in terms of how difficult their schedule was. Take a step back. You know, two weeks into the year, now they're 15th. So they have a basically middle of the pack schedule going forward. Detroit is a team that has the fourth toughest schedule. They're already 0 and 2. Um, you know, New Orleans, uh, you know, a team that they're, they're going to be vying for for playoff position has the most difficult schedule. Tampa Bay, you know, a team that I think now is kind of in the mix. Carolina, uh, the Los Angeles Rams, all of those teams have top 11 schedules. So things after two weeks being undefeated. The things I think are turning a little bit nicely for the Vikings. We have them, you know, you know, basically the average, you know, uh, win total for them in our simulation is about 10, 5, and 1. So they're winning, as I said, winning the division pretty easily. And, and I think that's because of the first two weeks, they've, they not only look, they graded better than, than Green Bay the other day, but they've not only looked good, but, you know, some of the things that we had questions about, namely Kirk Cousins, have, have at least come up so far, uh, pretty good on their end. Let's talk about Kirk in his first two performances. They're going to be microanalyzed every single week. That's what happens when you make $84 million. This week, what he comes away with, and this is just one of those small victories in a non-win that you get, is his entire team and organization, all of his teammates, everyone in the locker room, saw him match with Aaron Rodgers. And even if Rodgers is dinged up, it's still the best quarterback or top three quarterback in the league. And Kirk Cousins came up with some huge throws. The bomb to Stephon Diggs is a ridiculous throw. The the catch by Adam Thielen for a 22-yard touchdown to tie the game. I mean, even the throw to Stephon Diggs on a two-point conversion is dropping it right in over the defender. Perfect throw, not always the easiest. And he showed 
just the arm talent that he has that would be over someone like Case Keenum. Though over these first two weeks, if we're if we're really diving in, there were times, Eric, where I felt like, whew, boy, he kind of dodged some bullets there. And and maybe that's just gonna happen again, like it did last year to Case Keenum, but in week one, there's a near pick six by the 49ers. It's dropped. In week two, there's the interception that he throws to Jair Alexander that is brought back by a terrible penalty call that like has everyone outraged. So in a way, he's been fantastic, and you couldn't have asked for anything more, but there have also been these little moments where he kind of got away with it. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and we forget, so San Francisco, I think we all had that left with that bad taste in our mouth over some of the, the Chiquisky tart near interception touchdown and and some of the decisions you made, the one to run and like do a like a a, hand, a headstand before being tackled before the first down marker. I called it the neck kind of dive. Stuff. It was like a neck dive, yeah. neck first. Yeah, and we sort of forget that his touchdown throw to Diggs is a brilliant throw. His touchdown throw to Rudolph was a brilliant throw in Week One. And you know, this game he started out slow, right? They very they got behind to a Green Bay team. I think most people predicted that the beat because of Rodgers. Didn't play well. Turned the ball over a few times. Not all of them are his fault, certainly. Um, and then he ends the game with a bunch of brilliant throws, and we remember that, right? So what's really interesting, I think, when you look at quarterback plays, to look at the whole body of work because you're going to get – and they, they don't happen on, off, on, off. Often it's streaky, right? And we're often left with our, our last impression of a guy. And he was great at the end. And um, what I really like about him so far this season is, as he has always been, he's been very good – when clean, he has 112.5 passer rating when clean mm-hmm. and a pretty good pro football focus grade in that round to boot. When pressured, which has where, been where he has struggled in previous years, his passer rating so far is a 97.9 when pressured. Now, we know that that is one of the more unstable statistics for a quarterback. So maybe his time in Washington, we were seeing the low end of that variance. And early on in Minnesota, we're seeing the high end of that variance. But I can't help but think that having Diggs and Thielen and how brilliant they've been and how much they've uh, you know, uh, compounded how good they were last year in the first two weeks of the season is really helping him. And, and they are really, despite not really having a running game and despite the offensive line, I think it's extremely shaky still. Cousins, I think, has you know, delivered more often than not so far. So here's some crazy stats for you. When throwing at Stephon Diggs, Kirk Cousins has a quarterback rating of 142.4, which is not that much higher than it was for Case Keenum last year when throwing at Diggs. And Kyle Rudolph, 141, and Adam Thielen, 114. Now, we talked about how these weapons compare to what he had in 2016 with Deshaun Jackson, who's still out there killing it, and Pierre Garçon, who's still a very good player, Jordan Reed. This, to me, I think compares to that 2016 team, and if things continue to go the way that they are going, uh, maybe they pick up the run game a bit when Pat Alfline comes back, that's the type of performance that we should expect from Kirk Cousins. That was his best year, and it looks to me like he can do that again as long as he still has these guys in the lineup, but if either Thielen or Diggs were to go down, they would be in major trouble. Yeah, and they're they're having a I think a big difficulty here running the football, right? So they have you know 50 rush attempts so far this season. They've 38 yards uh, before contact. So you know they're on average getting hit you know less than a yard in front of the line of scrimmage. So um, you know that that's a that doesn't necessarily bode well for them in, in carrying leads and that kind of thing with their defense. 
I think showing some cracks on on Sunday, but um, I do think that you know in terms of supporting cast, it's becoming pretty clear that a Washington supporting cast when Cousins was there was very good, as you see Deshaun Jackson tearing up the league <laughs> again at, at his age, but also the Diggs and Thielen there. You know, I think when we come out with our wins above replacement by the end of the year, they might both be one and one or one and a half win players, which is phenomenal to have as receiving core. With Laquan Treadwell, there's nothing that I've seen that makes me think they should continue to go back to him. Uh, right now, he's only caught four of nine passes his way. Uh, one of them was picked off and was his fault. He's got four drops already out of those incompletions. So that means that uh, Kirk Cousins was fairly accurate getting him the ball, and he just dropped it. Uh, as we've seen, there was a wrong route in week one. There was probably another one. Uh, I'm not certain about it, but it, it looked like it uh, in week two. Should they have kept Kendall Wright? Should they have signed someone else? I, I mean, because I think sticking with it right now looks like it was not necessarily the right decision. They probably should have kept Jarius Wright. Yes, I think would probably be had been the the best decision to make there, or to you know in, to go all in and develop a young guy as a third receiver. It seemed like there was never really a competition for Treadwell aside from from Kendall Wright, and you know, that kind of worked out as expected. I think so. Um, ultimately, I agree with you. I don't necessarily see a light at the end of the tunnel for him. What's nice though is I think that the Vikings, you know, have players at tight end and fullback, and like they don't necessarily have to go three wide receivers as much as as I think. Uh, sort of traditionally, uh, you know, teams, teams do. So, um, that's kind of like the, I would say that the, you know, the silver lining there and how, and how poor Treadwell has been. All right. Let's look at Tom Johnson. As, uh, all listeners to this podcast know, this is a Tom Johnson podcast. So it's nice to see him back in part, Eric, because we just tried to highlight that he was an underrated part of the number one defense in the NFL. He played 68% of snaps, and he's not the best run defender, but that's also not the most valuable thing you could be as a three technique. And even if he didn't get huge sack totals, he was consistently pressuring the quarterback. He was almost like a Sheldon Richardson light, and now he gets to join a defensive line where Richardson is dominating and they want to rotate a little bit more. I think it's the perfect thing to do at this point point because he also knows the defense it could step right in yeah and, and like when you said when you talked about him the, like the Oakland A's came into my my head that the second money ball Oakland A's where instead of like buying full players which Sheldon Richardson actually is right but instead of buying full players they would buy you know a guy like Brandon Moss who could only hit against one you know one-handed pitchers right right and, and not others and, you know, Tom Johnson was very much this way. You know, when he was in there as a run defender, he graded about as bad as he could in, in our grades. But he was one of the most underrated players in the league, rushing the passer from that interior spot. So as a complimentary player, as a guy that you're going to lean on only in certain situations, I think this is a brilliant move for the Vikings. And, and I think it, it just, again, it compounds the fact that they went out there. And for some reason, Seattle wanted to give up on Sheldon Richardson. They went out there and got him. I think he'll he'll be, you know, for the rest of the season, he might be one of the best defensive players, uh, you know, on their on their team, possibly in the league. And, and I think Johnson just like complements that in, in a very, very real way. Isn't Richardson a great example of how sack numbers are not the ones to look at? It's really the pressures because last year he had a ton of pressures while he was playing with Seattle and looked pretty darn dominant to me. Um, but he wasn't really bringing down the quarterback. And still, he's only got a half sack 
over the first two weeks, but I think he's been arguably the best player on the Minnesota Vikings in the first two weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And we know that sacks don't predict sacks. Uh, pressures predict pressures, and pressures predict sacks, right? And and so that's, I think, one of the values of something like Pro Football Focus is that we chart these things that are very process-wise you know, wise and not necessarily results-driven, as you talked about with Cousins. He can still do well when pressured, but over the course of a lot of games and a lot of snaps, you want to pressure the quarterback. And, and, and Richardson did that last year for Seattle, and I think that that went underappreciated because of the sack numbers, as you said. He might not get a lot of sacks from Minnesota either, and, and Johnson didn't for the Vikings, but you can tell at, you know, in the aggregate that those guys are having positive influence on the team, and, and having them both there, I think, just really helps, right? You can tell that they're making somewhat of a commitment to taking some, you know, some, uh, snaps away from guys like a Griffin and to some degree Hunter. Now you can get take some snaps away from Joseph, some snaps away from Richardson and almost you know, obviously they're gonna have a drop off there, but it's not gonna be substantial having a starting caliber player as Johnson uh, behind those guys. So the Vikings are gonna play the Buffalo Bills and the line in Vegas is sixteen and a half. Eric, I don't know any way that you could take the under with this. Uh, when you look at the Bills, um their guy, Vontae Davis decides to retire at halftime because of how things were going and he felt like he just couldn't swing it anymore. But I could tell you if that team's 2-0 and and playing pretty well, they're not having guys retire off the team. Um, <laughs> and, and, and they bring in Josh Allen after not starting him on a team that's nowhere ready to win. He, I remember when Brock Osweiler was inexperienced and came into Minnesota and got demolished against a defense that wasn't even as good as this one. This has all the earmarks of 40 to nothing. And usually you wouldn't say that about an NFL game between two NFL teams, but the Bills are in about as disastrous of a situation as you could possibly be. And I don't think the Vikings are playing any games here. Yeah. So the spread for the game, I think, is now 17. Uh, oh, and at okay. Football Focus, we have a, a product called Greenline where we do look at the kind of the spreads and the over unders. I. I don't know necessarily if I'm betting on this game, if I would lay the 17 points with Minnesota only because of what you saw last week when the Bills had played the Chargers and the Chargers got out to like a 28 nothing lead and kind of just hit the brakes. And the Bills actually, Josh Allen's been a pretty nice garbage time quarterback the last two weeks. The Bills actually cut, you know, would have covered if the spread was that big last week. They only lost by 11. I do agree with you to some degree that the, that the Vikings are not messing around, right? They, I made a joke on, on one of our, our YouTube uh, uh, hits today that, you know, the Vikings are trying to impress the BCS committee <laughs> and, you know, being Super Bowl contenders this year. I do think if you want something to look at in terms of wagering this week, the over-under for the game is 41 points. I think the Vikings get to 41 points mm-hmm. uh, in this game, regardless of what the Bills do. And so we would probably, I would probably advise you just to simply take the over on the on the points because Minnesota has, one of the best, obviously, you know, offenses in the league, the Bills, as you said, one of their cornerbacks flat quit during the game last week. So I think both Diggs and Thielen, if the Vikings play all 60 minutes, will, you know, get 100, 150 yards each. And then as is always the case with, you know, you know, people forget that the Nathan Peterman game, that game totaled something like 45 to 60 points because Peterman was throwing interceptions that got run back for touchdowns. And that's how, you know, you can get overs, uh, in, in, with the Vegas total there. So, that's where I'm at. I do obviously. I think we have to score something like Vikings thirty, Bills fourteen. But it's you know it's it, you know I think 
it, it'd be hard for me to it'd be hard for me to for me to back the Bills at all in a game like this, given what they've done the first two weeks and the fact that the Vikings are almost unbeatable at US Bank Stadium. You know, bad organizations stay bad a lot of times, um, unless they find a quarterback who can completely turn things around. That's like the only um, yep. you know way you can do it. But with someone like the Bills that have had so, so little success for so long, and then they bring in Sean McDermott to, quote, change the culture and follow the process or whatever the heck he's saying over and over again, that mm-hmm. just at one point it would be funny to hear Mike Zimmer say, trust the process, because he'd probably just start laughing. Um, but I, I understand what people mean by that, but when you're getting killed every week and you say it, it's just, what are you doing? Um but putting in Josh Allen here, if you're talking about the process, this is like the dumbest thing you can possibly do, right? Somebody who comes from Wyoming, who had no success at Wyoming, who needs at least a year, maybe two, and you just watch the Kansas City Chiefs sit Patrick Mahomes for a year because he wasn't ready, a little bit raw with a big arm, and you trade away A.J. McCarron to play Nathan Peterman for a week? And then put this guy in. I mean, even if he's got potential, and I'm not certain that he does, it makes no sense to do what they're doing. And then put him up against the Chargers, the the Ravens. Those are good teams. And then the Vikings, possibly the best defense in the NFL. Like, bad organization. This one is going to stay bad for a long time if they do things like this. Yeah, and the the interesting thing was is they failed at failing last year, which is I think the, the hardest thing to do, right? So you know they played Minnesota in the first preseason game, and then immediately they traded Sammy Watkins, they traded uh, um, the uh, Ronald Darby to the Eagles, mm-hmm. and like and they kept Tyrod Taylor, which I, I you know and this might you know cast poor light on the Browns, but Tyrod Taylor is kind of the worst quarterback to rebuild with because he always kind of keeps you confined, right? Like you don't see the whole distribution of what can happen um, because he's not going to throw downfield to your receivers. He's not going to, you know, put your, like he's kind of the worst quarterback to rebuild with. They go with him and they go nine and seven, even though I think that they're pathetic, you know, their win total should have been something like six and a half. They make the playoffs and then they got to trade their left tackle to move up in the draft to be able to package picks to get, Allen, right? So not only did they spend the draft capital on Allen, they spent two picks in the you know first round basically on Allen, and it's not clear that he's any good to begin with. But be that as it may, like they 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 failed at failing last year, and as and, and and because of it, they had to give up draft capital just to kind of get where they wanted to begin with. So it's been a really weird thing for them. Um, and now with Sands an offensive line that gave them at least like a respectable running game last year, Sands a defense that, you know, I think surprised people a season ago. It is really a mess here. And if you're McDermott, you got really got to wonder if you wasted that first year on being okay. Now people are going to wonder like, what the heck's going on with your second? You might not even get to see the light at the end of the tunnel here uh, because of how he's played it. Yeah. They had so much fun celebrating the Cincinnati Bengals, helping them get into the playoffs only to play one of the worst playoff games I've ever seen against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then, you know, go back to obscurity. And, and here's what's going to hurt them worse is that now that they're going to go 0 and 16 or 1 and 15, now they're not going to draft a quarterback. 
they're going to repeat history when they drafted EJ Manuel and they stuck with him and traded up to get Sammy Watkins instead of taking a number of quarterbacks that were good that year, including Teddy Bridgewater, but also Derek Carr is in that draft. And it's like they're going to make the same mistake again. They're going to take a pass rusher. They're going to take a defensive lineman and they're just going to sit on this quarterback who has what? I mean, a 10% chance of being great considering what he did in college. And and then they're just going to put themselves behind again. And it's kind of amazing to me that years and years and years after they were relevant in the nineties, they're still doing the same things that they've done over and over again. They did it during the Lostman era. They bought into Trent Edwards. They bought into Ryan Fitzpatrick, or should I say Connor McGregor now is what he looks like. And, <laughs> not, and now they're going to do the same thing to Josh Allen. So uh, if you're a Vikings fan and you have been frustrated in the past by your quarterback situations or if you thought they overpaid for Kirk Cousins, I mean, yeah, they probably – did but but you could feel much more secure than some teams that are in the Bills spot that look like there's just no way out. Yeah, and unfortunately, what that makes for Vikings fans, as much as it sucks that the Vikings tied on last Sunday, they played a compelling football game from A to Z, right? And I think if you know we're not fans per se, right? So like, what we want to see is compelling football and. <laughs> I look at this game and I'm thinking there are a lot of Vikings games like this last year, maybe against Chicago, against mm-hmm. Cincinnati, you know, Baltimore even. This game smells like one of those games. I'm just like, ah, oh, man, pass. I'd rather watch San Francisco, Kansas City, or, you know, like one of those games is going to be a little bit more compelling because, as you said, the Bills aren't even, you know, representable here. And unfortunately, I wonder because, like, one of the examples that came through my head when you were talking about them and if they're bad this year, then, you know, what are their options, you know, Carolina drafted Jimmy Clausen in the second round of 2010. Right. They were terrible. And instead of doubling down, they just said, okay, well, what would we do at first principles with this draft Cam Newton? And since then, you know, there's a lot of things you can rip them for, but Carolina has been a relative, a relevant franchise since. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if Buffalo has the, you know, cojones to, to, you know, if they get in that top spot to take a quarterback um, again and just make him compete because, to me, that's like the only way around it. Their roster is not good. So, you know, and so, you know, I think, but the roster is not going to be enhanced by a Miles Garrett or somebody like that if their quarterback is a disaster. So it's really, it's a really interesting uh, time for Buffalo. I'm wondering, you know, sort of what they end up doing with it. Of course, they were the ones that traded the Pat Mahomes pick. Yes. Yes. And uh, even my parents living in Western New York uh, have pointed out via the text message that the Kansas City quarterback threw six touchdowns and that the Bills could have had him. <laughs> uh, just before I let you go, Eric, the biggest thing in two weeks that you would not have expected as you did a thousand simulations uh, in mm-hmm. the off season trying to figure out which way this would all go. Yeah. So um, a lot of the things have worked out the way that I thought, but the one that clearly did not was Tampa Bay being 2-0. I thought <laughs> yeah. that they had almost no – we gave out survivor picks week one. I'm like, okay, you know, you probably don't want New Orleans, but I guess, you know, because New Orleans has so much future value. But, I, you know, one in one league I think I took uh, New Orleans, and that was a disaster. Um, so that was one, that's one that I, I did not see coming. On the negative end, I thought that, that Detroit would be – a little bit better than they currently are. I mm-hmm. thought, you know, Matt Patricia, you know, I, I always, I always thought that the Belichick assistance thing was a little bit of a trend and not a real thing, you know, mm-hmm. not a, 
and 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 thus far through two weeks they have not looked great. I think their offense woke up a little bit uh, on Sunday in San Francisco, but they're going to be 0 three after they play New England on Sunday night and. Um, yeah, that's not great. But for Vikings fans, it's a good thing because they've been kind of a thorn in the Vikings' side so far. All right, Eric. Well, we will consistently check in with you throughout the season as we go along to look at every uh, stat of Kirk Cousins and the lines of these games. If we have to again when they play Arizona, that will be an interesting one. <laughs> but I, I am most looking forward. And uh, sorry, Everyone, if uh, I am going to look forward to the next opponent, I know that all the players do not do that, but um, Vikings Rams, this is a reason to put the foot on the gas pedal and blow out the bills as fast as possible. And Zimmer, I don't think is going to make the same mistake twice. I think we're seeing that with Zimmer, that he's not making the same mistakes twice. He's not going to leave in Everson Griffin when they're up by 21 points in the fourth against the bills. And so being rested going into Thursday could be big for them. Yeah, and I think that, you know, they've actually handled the Thursday night games far better than some of the teams. They they had a pretty good showing, uh, obviously, against Arizona when they were injured in 2015, 2016. They played a 13-3 and Dallas team really tough. Uh, you know, and then last year, I think it was this Thanksgiving, they played on Thursday night, and they, or on Thursday, and they, they actually won outright. We would have that game just if you're looking ahead. The Rams would probably be about four-point favorites at home uh, against the Vikings. The Rams and the Vikings very similar in our power rankings. So um, Rams are a very tough team. So, yeah, as you said, this weekend might not be very compelling, but next Thursday looking ahead is the Rams at home off of Thursday night. A lot of stuff that's going to be tough for Minnesota from the perspective of the spot, but um, they're they're not going to come in and, like, you're not, they're not 10-point underdogs. They're just about three- or four-point underdogs. So that's going to be a really fun game. I think uh, the NFL really lucked out there. All right. Awesome stuff, Eric. We will talk to you again soon. And thank you all for listening, as always, to the Purple Podcast. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.